Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, you have given all of us uh, so much. Uh, We're here. We're here today. We're here for a purpose, not simply for our lives, but uh, for this church service. It it may be a greeting. It may be to hear a word of encouragement. Uh, Most of all, I hope it's to hear from you, you Holy Spirit, uh, in in the entire service. Uh, from a greeting to a joining, uh, to seeing what the Lord is doing here, to a worship, to a message, to taking communion together. And I pray that it would all just be real for all of us, all of us people. Real and that there's so much that tempts us, so that so much that competes for our affections, uh, from entertainment, to worries, to doubts, to relational struggles, but you're all powerful, you're almighty, you're sovereign, Uh, you can in a moment push that away and make us new, and I pray that these folks would know this, and I pray that in the midst of, whether it's peer pressures, or friendship struggles, or work struggles, or just bombs in lives, Divorce, bankruptcy, worry, death, that we would know you are Lord and you cover us and you're in control. Give us that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Thank you all again for being here. You can have a seat. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Ephesians 1 uh, as our boys and girls are uh, taken off. Ephesians 1, if you do not have a Bible... And I say this every week because we're serious about the Bible. You can pick one up in the back. You can take it home with you. But we will be primarily in Ephesians chapter 1 today, a few verses. Uh, We're starting a series over the summer. And we're calling it How We Are Saved. How We Are Saved. And it's not meant to be a question. It's meant to be a statement. Uh, to show us biblically, uh, indeed, in fact, how we are saved. And and let me just say this right out of the gate. Uh, It's not, how we are saved is not by a decision that we might make sometime, today or tomorrow, or have made a decision. Uh, It's not a, a walking down the aisle and saying, hey, you know, I want to be saved. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because, you know, I mean, decision for Christ, and you hear all that, and, uh, you know, walking down the aisle or raising hands or all that. And, and, and I do believe you're saved in a moment. But what my point is, is that nothing in us saves us. Okay? So, so nothing we do or have done will save us. And that is not my opinion. That's simply what it says in the Bible. Uh, a couple of verses I want to highlight before we get into Ephesians Chapter 1, uh, first, first Corinthians 2.14. It should be up on the screen. Uh, look at this. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, so first off, in your natural state, so that would be in the state you're born in, uh, you do not naturally accept the spiritual things of the Lord. 
So that means something has to happen to you, something has to come over you and in you for you to even, for even know it, get it. Okay? Uh, more simply, it said in Ephesians 2 1, put that up on screen too, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You're dead. You know, I, I, I do love the, uh, the analogy, the picture of like we're drowning and, you know, Christ throws a life preserver and, you know, we, we grab it. But the truth is that we're on the bottom of the ocean, no oxygen tank, we're dead. So therefore, something has to come in and, if I get this word right, resuscitate us and give us the oxygen to live. And there's nothing in us, there's nothing in us, I mean, you get this, that saves us on our own. I do believe, and not because it's my opinion, because it's biblical, we are saved in a moment. And put up another verse, this is Romans 6, 6, 17. Uh, This is quickly becoming one of my favorite verses. Uh, It says, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, enslaved in sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And it's one of my favorite uh, verses now because there's an order there. From the, from the teaching uh, of God's Word, by the Holy Spirit, something sometimes clicks in your mind. And I say it like this, it, it moves to your heart and it melts your heart, and then it impacts your actions. And, and I do believe that that's like the order for salvation uh, in a moment. At some point, the penny drops. At some point, uh, you get it. It moves your heart. It melts your heart. It's the grace of God. You get it. You get that, uh, as I've gotten before, I deserve death and hell. And all that, that we sing about, those words become very real, all that Jesus has done. And it does melt your heart. And you get the grace given to you so you will show grace to others, and it leads to uh, obedient physical actions. It's not the other way around. It's in like, oh, you know, I'm going on this awesome Honduras mission trip, and it's such a great experience. So, yeah, yeah, I get it, and, and I'm saved. Or, you know, my heart is just so warm and fuzzy uh, by, by the feeling of these nice gestures by Christians. I've seen those happen before, and every time, very, very often, it does not stick. Like it, the, the salvation, it does not take. You've got to get it. And that's why this order says the teaching first to the heart, to the actions. You've got to get all that Jesus has done. And that can happen in a moment. It also happens over a lifetime. Look at this, Romans 8, 29 and 30. Uh, a controversial verse, as we're going to see another one that we will hit upon, but Romans 8, 29 through 30. For those whom he, and this is God foreknew, he also, there's that word, predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. In verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. And what that means to translate is that that is going on over a lifetime. That something happened before, and then he called you, and then he saved you, justified, and then he glorified you in a glorified body, 
That will be our eternal life. Salvation happens in a moment. Salvation also happens in a lifetime. So over uh, the next nine weeks, we're going to look at how we are saved in the life of a believer, in the life of our Christian. And I, I would say this too. You've got to have this balance. Those first two verses were about how we just can't get it. And let me just, you just can't get it on your own. And then the other two were about the work of God. So you've got to have this balance, in, I believe, in every church. And not that we do it, but we, we aim for it. This balance of our sin and God's grace. Because sometimes we can lean and other churches can lean and, you know, just sin and sin. Or I like to say, you know, just the, you know, we suck all the time moment. I mean, excuse me, but I mean, that's kind of what it is. I mean, sin and, we, you know, we just suck, you know. And you can feel like, man, I just am sinners. But on the other hand, you've got to balance that out with the grace of all that God has done. And sometimes you go too far over here and it's just like all God's done and, and there's no repentance because you, you really don't even have a, have a glimpse of your sins. You, you do have to have both. And I like to say it like this, uh, or I've heard it said like this, uh, you know, God is not just saying to you when you're in your sin, relax, you're born this way. He is saying, there's good news. You're reborn another way. That's the gospel. And I'm not here uh, ever, and if I've done this in the past, I will repent of it. I'm not here to try to increase your self-esteem. I'm here to try to increase your Christ-esteem. All that Jesus has done. All that he has done. All that he has done. All you've not done. All that he has done to save you and us. Increase the Christ-esteem. Nothing about self-esteem. So over the summer, we're going to look at what we call this order of salvation. Today we're going to hit before, because something does happen before. Next week, hearing, because you've got to hear the gospel. After that, it will be a change. A change happens. We'll talk about faith. We'll talk about turning, as in repentance. We'll talk about made right, that Jesus makes us right. Talk about growing. Talk about persevering. And glory, a glorified body. All of that, all that happens in a life. And so we're going to hit upon it. So Ephesians 1, and we're simply going to read verse 3 through 6. A few verses. Ephesians uh, 1. Uh, these are big verses, powerful verses. Uh, you could spend a year in these couple verses. And so we've got about, you're going to like this, less than 20 minutes because I'm getting to a baseball game. You're like, oh, man. Okay, anyway. <laughs> They're like, Jack, keep playing, buddy. Anyway, so uh, we will see. So verse 3, Ephesians 1, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Uh, we're going to stop there. So that is, uh, that's four verses. And let me say this, you know, reading really all of Ephesians 1, but, but actually those, those couple verses, they are like, for me, and this is my opinion, they're like a warm blanket. Use a, another one of my sons, Ethan. You know, I mean, Ethan is a he is a, he's a partier, 
right? I mean, he is a point. I mean, you talk about preacher's kids. I mean, we're already envisioning. But, I mean, he just rocks it out. And he, he will not stop. And he will keep going. I mean, he was up 12, 15 the other night, just, just rocking on. And, uh, and then he crashes, and he crashes hard. And I, like, put him in his crib. And he has these, like, funny, you know, like, maybe all of us do. But he has these funny, weird sleep angles and, you know, like, foot, you know, up on the rail. And, you know, just like, you know, I'm just envisioning other moments of, you know, I don't know, hopefully not passing out. But anyway, you know, just like, just like funny, just laid out. And I'll go in there, uh, often in the middle of the night, because I'll, I'll hear him or something, or I'll get, I'm a light sleeper. And he will have moved, and he'll just be scrunched up, you know, because he's cold. Uh, you know, we keep our house cool. Not as cool as a church. But anyway, we keep it cool. And, you know, he's just scrunched up, and i got to put this warm blanket, put this warm blanket on him. And, and I think about that a lot, this passage that... You know, we can be, or at least I can be, you know, you can have your doubts, you can have anxieties. I, I would love, I would love for you to see these couple of verses. It's like a warm blanket. And Ethan, you know, he'll just, you know, just kind of melt and just rest because it covers us. And that's, that's really at the heart of Christianity. Jesus covers us. We can rest. Jesus said that. You can, Come, all you are weary, I will give you rest. Like a warm blanket. Like, how's it like a warm blanket? Because all that he's done, all that God has done for us throughout history and eternity. I mean, it just says it right there. And if you believe God's word, and I do with, with every, every fiber of my being, then it has to make you see your life and this world in a different way. It just does. So it's a warm blanket. And uh, there are a couple things that, that I want to draw out of these few verses. There is a who... There's a when and there's a why. Okay, so real quick, a who, a when, a why. So verse, verse 3, read it again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's a who, and that who is, again, who saves you. Who saves us? And that would be God. That would be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing? Now, you may say, not really a newsflash, buddy. You know, kind of know that because we're indoctrinated by it. You know, you don't save yourselves. God saves us. But let me say, who saves us? God. We say we know that, but we really live like our resumes save us, or our jobs save us, or our spouse saves us. Or our desired spouse saves us, or our child saves us, or our desired, you know, family image saves us, or just a desired look saves us. So a lot of folks who would state that they know that don't live like that. Uh, I was in a um, was in a small group this week. It's our, our radical group. We meet at Sneaky Beans, and somebody in the group he'll remain nameless. But he said, you know, everything, the only thing I care about, you know, in doing, like, uh, ministry or mission, the only thing I care about is if just someone says, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior appear. It's like, I just want to say that. Just say that. Because then I know that, you know, everything else is taken care of. And I didn't want to say it there because I didn't want to get into a... But I just totally disagree with that. Because here's what happens. You're like, what, what are you saying? 
Now, I, I get you can say that, but, but often I've, I've seen someone say that, and just don't live it at all. And they really say it out of fear. You know, you would really, I don't know if that was a sign, but you, you would really, we'll see. You know, think about what we could say out of fear, okay? Give you an example, okay? About 13 years ago, 2003, uh, I was in Boston. I was dating this young lady. Uh, baseball fans here, so I'm, I'm going to talk about a rivalry, but I'm not going to do our kind of traditional state rivalries, stay safe. But uh, a big rivalry at that point, you know, love some baseball, was the Red Sox and Yankees. I mean, and it was at the, um, man, it was at the heat of the, I don't know if you know these guys, but Derek Jeter, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, and this was before Boston had won it all in 04. And these Boston fans, I mean, they were like really just angry and just ravenous. And uh, I mean, I think there were some significant problems the fans had, I mean, in all seriousness. But Linda and I, we were dating, and we would go down. There was an epic playoff series, Yankees and Red Sox, 03. Y'all to YouTube it. Some, just some great moments. Yankees won. But anyway, some great moments. And, but we were, we were living in Boston, and so we would go down to, couldn't get a ticket to Fenway Park. We'd go down to the sports bars right by Fenway. And, man, just the atmosphere was, I mean, you know, and I, and I love college football and all that, but there's just off the, and some of you are like, atmosphere, Major League Baseball game. It does happen in different places of, of the country. But, man, they were just, like, wild and crazy and, you know, just, just ready to go. And, you know, I mean, it was exciting. I mean, they were get, folks getting tanked and everything like that. But, anyway, it was in a sports bar right by Fenway Park. And the Yankee fans that would go into the sports bar would either get kicked out or beat up. For real. Like, there were some guys that got beat up. I mean, they talking ravenous hatred, all that stuff. So I'm in there, and if you know me, I mean, I kind of like the Yankees, okay? And we want to go for the atmosphere, but and you're packed in, and, you know, there's screens, and, I mean, they're doing chants on Derek Jeter's grandmother, for real. I mean, that's not just to make They're just, like, crazy. And so I'm in there, and Lynn's like, are well, you going to cheer for the Yankees? Like, give me a break. I mean, no. 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 And so, and she, you know, she, as she does, Riz, why don't you wear your Yankee hat? I mean, come on. I mean, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so I'm in the midst here, you know, and I'm just like, I mean, I love the atmosphere. But then, you know, you know, being, um, you know, you know, folks are putting it back. And so they're getting, you know, a little, little talkative around. It's like, you know, and they say, hey, what's up, man? You know, you know, Red Sox, all this. So I got to, I got to engage, you know. Yeah, oh boy, he's right. I got to engage somehow. Like, you know, you're a fan and everything, or, you know, what are you doing? And. And so I'm, I'm like, what do I say? So I, I very, very subtly say, you know, I love baseball and I appreciate the tradition of, and the history of the Red Sox, which wasn't lying, but you know, I wanted them to lose. Now, my point being, I wanted them to lose, but at that moment, you know, I was not going to say that. Out of what? Out of, and I hate to admit it, out of fear. Out of fear. I was like, I, I kind of like the atmosphere. I want to stay here. Not in New York. I'm in Boston. And, and the Red Sox did lose that day. But anyway, and I do remember squeezing Linda's hand once. I was like, yeah, baby, you know, like that. But, uh, but yeah, I would not say, I would not state, you know, my allegiances because of where I was. The opposite can happen down here. Think about it. Bible Belt. You, 
you know, not in a sports bar, but sometimes you are, but surrounded by those that saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Uh, you don't want to look like, you know, you're, you're not a Christian. You don't, you don't want to state that what your primary allegiances are. So, out of, again, and it may be subtle, but out of fear, you want to fit in. And it's like, yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, you got all these folks around, and everybody's inviting you to their church and everything, which does happen, you know. And everybody's like happy, merry Christians, you know, all good and perfect life. And you're like, well, I'm not going to state that I have doubts or I'm going to state that I'm lost. He would say that. So a lot of times just saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, it's just saying it out of fear because you want to fit in or you want to be where we are. Or then there's another time that we say it out of fear. Think about it. And let's say we're approaching, and I'm not saying these folks aren't saved, but often it's like, hey, I'll say it because I don't want to go to hell. Because really, what we worship is a perfect life and no hell, period. Perfect life, no hell. And so we'll say, well, to get that perfect life down here and say no hell, then I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So what, what I'm aiming for, what I want is, that's what it's saying, is the penny drops, you get it. And then it does melt the heart. It does change your affections and your actions. And you can walk into any, there we go, any crude place, not that sports bars are crude, and you can say with serene confidence, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And, and you can live it. And there is peace and there is strength, both. So know that God saves you. That's a who. Another one, we'll speed up a little bit to get through this. Verse 4, when? Look at this. Even, and this, to me now, I mean, this, this always just rocks my world, life, however you call it. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. i just read that again. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I say it like this, God knows. And God has known you by name and what was going to go down in your life before the, and when I always say foundation, I think of Bad Jackson Foundation. But anyway, the foundation of his majestic creation of the earth. I was talking to somebody just yesterday in here about the grandeur of uh, Lake Tahoe and this lake at like 6,500 feet, just, the, just majestic. So before that foundation was laid, he knew you by name. He, he planned out. I mean, it's just, you can't, I mean, we just can't, it's our finite human minds. But I, love, I can't live in a world where God does not know. And this verse, this passage, God knows. And God knew before, before. So there is a when. I always say it like this, you know, I love Star Wars, but Christianity is not Star Wars, where it's like, you know, this dualism battle between light and dark that are really equal. And check out episode seven if you have it. But anyway, it's not, it's not that. It's like God, he created everything else, including, including this angel named Lucifer, who ultimately became Satan, and some of his minions attack us. They're created beings. They have no power. 
And if Christ is in us, who is also the creator of all and sustainer, then just say Jesus and they flee. And he knew this long ago, the when. And then, last verse we'll hit on verse 5, the why. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, and verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. There's a who, who saves you, God. God, who is Jesus Christ, as a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. There's a when, it happened, you know, before, way back. But there's a why. You're like, why? Because everybody, you know, especially, you know, when you're young, you're like, why is the purpose of my life? You know, all this, I need to find myself, all that. But, but the why is, and I think the why is shown right here. First, in love, because he loves us, to be adopted as sons, sons and daughters of God, to be adopted. We talk about family of Jesus Christ. That's what we mean. You're adopted. You're created in the image of God. But I say this over and over again. That doesn't mean you're a son of God. You're just created in the image of God. You have to receive, and you do receive. You get at the penny drops. You're saved. Jesus Christ, to be adopted as a son and daughter. So there's a why in love, to be adopted as sons. But he goes on through Jesus Christ. That's how it happens. According to the purpose of his will. That's his will. It's sovereign. To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us. I believe a lot of the why is, is that first song we sang, to, to get it and to sing with your life. I do believe you are created, all of it. You. You're created to create. You create conversations. You create relationships. You don't have to be a creator just as an artist, okay? You can be an engineer and create. You can build bridges. You can build buildings. You, you're given gifts by God to flourish receive Christ, and glorify Him with your life. Not everybody's called to be pastors and missionaries, yet some are. You create words, you create sentences. You create families. You create an atmosphere. You can create a, a culture, a church. It's centered. That those key words were through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So in love. And his glory, I mean, just think about it. The creator of all, his greatest creation, he, then he saves us as part of his plan. And he always knew it. And now we can glorify him as the Holy Spirit resides in us individually and as the church. There's a why. There's a who, when, why there. Now, a couple of questions as we close it out. Because there will be some questions I would have in response. You might say, well, what about free will? What about free will? Let's say it like this. I have free will. And I will always choose sin, period. I have free will, I will always choose sin. Therefore, I need something stronger than my will to come over and above me and shape my will. Give you an example, big bad Ethan again. Ethan, he's active. He loves to skyrocket off couches and other um, things that are high. I don't like that to happen. I say, stop, Ethan. He will always choose sin, okay? He will always skyrocket off. So how do I stop him? One of two ways. Either a stronger will, which my will right now is stronger than his. He, he might disagree, but it's stronger than his. Come over him and stop him. And it's like, no, you're going to get a pinch. He doesn't like pinches, okay? That's our version of spankings, but we do that too. Anyway, come over him, stop Ethan, or just say, hey, I'll play with you. 
And I'll get under the couch, not under the couch, but beside the couch, and I'll catch you as you jump, okay? I think the same thing happens. Like, God knows, he's our loving Heavenly Father, who are adopted in Christ. He's like, he's either got to come over us and shape us, or he's like, are you going to do that? Okay, I need to catch you, and I need to make Romans 8, 28 a reality, working all things good. So I'll catch you, Ethan, okay? We don't even know he catches us. So I got free will, but I'm going to choose sin every time. So a stronger will has to come over me. Another question. Uh, here's the question. Uh, you used the predestined word, you know, there. and Okay, I get that, and that's great for me. But what about those folks that are not predestined? Uh, here's what makes sense to me. Here's what I always say. I ain't never met them. You're like, what are you talking about? I ain't never met them. In my, in my mind, okay, in my thoughts, the power of God is so, and I'm not saying everybody goes to heaven. Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're a Christian, God can use every conversation, encounter, relationship, all of them, okay? Everybody you meet. So I'm thinking, I've never met him because I think God can use every situation to work his will, you know, whether through me or not through me, but that God is working. So I'm a Christian and I'm growing and I'm trying to live it out. And that, if you think about all of us Christians here, that that pervades outward to make an impact, whether we realize it or not, okay? Okay? And, and I really, you know, what about those that are not pretty, never met them. You're like, what about those in India? Well, I met people in India, okay? So I'm not saying that people don't go to hell because they do. Hell's populated. I'm saying if you're a Christian, God is working so mightily through you. And you're like, well, some people would refuse. How do you know? How do we know? We don't know until one day in that glorified body. So I'm choosing right there in my limited framework to say God's working through me and through us in our church to bring people to him, period. Last question, well, then what do I do? If, you know, everything's God knows, what do you do? It's simple. You worship, as I just said, worship with your life. However many days we have, worship with your life. And I'm not talking about singing, I'm talking about living. I'm talking about singing as you live, in work, in relationships. Worship. We know and... That's what I mean by Romans 6, 17. That teaching. I'm not talking about me or another teacher. I'm talking about this teaching here. Spending our life knowing it. The reason I'm serious about God's word is it's the only... John Wesley said, he said, I love books, but I'm a man of one book. I love books too, but I'm a man of one book. This is God's word to us. We want to know it. And then we go. To worship, no go. Because if you know this, you're going to go. If you say, I ain't never met him, you're called to go out. And God can use you in ways that you don't even imagine. And I'm not saying just go to Honduras, but if you allow, go to Honduras. I'm not saying just go to any of it, feel led, go to India. Just go to our neighbors. Church about the good news. This is good news that I've been talking about. Neighbors and nations. Last thing I would say, I was in a place this week, and I'm not going to say whether it was physical or mental or emotional or whatever. It was just real dark. It was real dark. I mean, like, I could feel visceral, and I do believe the demonic attacking, okay? And I, all that, talking about episode seven, it's like Han Solo said, man, it's real, it's real. Not to compare, but it's like, it's, it's real, okay? To quote him on something else. And I just thought about it, just kind of like freeze frame, and just stop, and that it's a lie that that has strength, and just move forward in the name of Jesus, 
and it flees, whatever that darkness is. Uh, I think I say that because I know it happens to y'all or some of you, uh, and some of you on a regular basis. You just enter into, you feel it, this is a dark place. And this is a warm blanket, and I, not just those, this is a warm blanket of God's plan, where you can go into any situation, mental, emotional, physical, and really have serene confidence in the name of Christ, which that is peace and strength, and just and worship, and worship by simply living. Sometimes that's just a yes or no. It's a sentence. It's a hug. It's a belief that God knows. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news, and prompt us, lead us, and sometimes push us uh, to know that in, in you, the dark spaces of our lives are they're a lie in the power of Christ. And we can move forward. As we move forward there, you will move us to neighbors and to nations because of the good news that you have known us and you have saved us. And it's for a purpose. It's to glorify you with our lives. So just may we do that as individuals and as a church. All as the verse said, through Jesus Christ, in his name, amen.